Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, recording with a mic. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? So we actually are home right now on Cape Cod, not in the city where we've been staying since the twins were born, um, because Roman was not sleeping well in the city. The first week was okay, and then it just fell apart, and we weren't sure if it was a coincidental sleep regression, which, hey, it happens. He's 16 months old, uh, or if it was just all of the stress of change and the stress of stress. So we gave it a few weeks, and it wasn't getting better, and I thought, you know what? Let's just see if we go home for a few days or a week, in which time I go back and forth daily to see the girls. Uh, It's just a lot of drive time because traffic, it sucks. It can take two and a half hours to get there and sometimes even longer. Um, One way, of course. He's sleeping a little better. So now the thing is, we can't just stay here for the duration of their stay. I'm going somewhere with this, I think. Oh, yeah, the microphone. <laughs> uh, we're just chatting. We're just catching up. It's good to see you. You know, it's, I'm glad you're here. We can't necessarily do this for the duration of the stay because once the twins get a little bit older and bigger and more stable and they start trying to nurse, which could happen around like 34 weeks Uh, so the way that they do that, not 34 weeks old, but like what would be 34 weeks gestation, they're currently 32 weeks gestation. They were born at 27. Um, then I have to be there multiple times throughout the day. Whereas like now, if we are, if I'm commuting from the Cape into Boston, then I'll just be there for one longer visit. And it sucks because it's more time away from Roman, but we're just, I don't know, we're trying to figure things out. What is best for Roman's sleep compared to like what's best for our family, knowing that even if it turns out to be best for him to be here for a couple of weeks, we're still probably going to have to go back to the city not probably, most definitely going to have to go back to the city for, you know, a month or six weeks before, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, we're here now trying it out, seeing what's going on. I don't know what we're doing. But the good news is that I have a microphone. 
I spend a lot of time in the car, but when I'm here, Chris is putting Roman to sleep right now. I've got a microphone and that is a nice thing. And I know you appreciate it. So thank you. Okay. Last week, last Saturday, I mentioned what we were giving away today. So I'm going to announce that winner at the end of the show. But just to kind of bring everybody up to speed, mood or kids mood, your choice. These are all natural adaptogen supplements. Kind of personal story about this. So when you are pregnant, you have to take this assessment pretty regularly. I don't know. I've taken it a bunch of times. And it's a mental health assessment because they want to get a sense of whether or not you have or are at risk of developing postpartum depression, which is a very real thing. NICU moms are dramatically more likely to have postpartum depression. But the funny thing is there's not a assessment that is specific to NICU moms. So they give you the same assessment. And it's, it's a total joke, in my opinion, because it says things like, do you feel anxious? And then you answer like, never, some of the time, a lot of the time, all the time, you know. But when you have babies in the NICU or a baby in the NICU, yeah, I'm anxious every time my phone rings, right? Because <laughs> I know it could be the hospital. So they give me the assessment and I'm, you know, it's like, do you, do you find yourself crying more? And it's like, well, yes, I have two babies in the NICU. <laughs> I cry all the time. And um, so they came, I took the assessment maybe, I don't know, when they were like three weeks old. And I get it, postpartum, higher risk in the NICU, but develop a tool that's specific to freaking NICU moms because I guarantee you that any honest NICU mom is probably going to fail that assessment. So, you know, the social worker comes in to the girl's room when I'm in there, probably holding them. And she's like, so, you know, I just wanted to talk to you because you're a little borderline on your assessment. And I'm like, well, your assessment is not geared towards NICU moms. <laughs> and listen, I'd be the first one to like raise my hand if and when I feel like I need support. You know what I mean? Um, but I also ask myself, and, and this is not, uh, you know, I'm, this isn't my first rodeo because after Dagny died, I had a lot of the same conversations. And one of the things I ask myself in assessing, do I need intervention is do I feel like I'm responding appropriately you know or does it feel really exaggerated because I've had times in my life where I feel like my response is exaggerated and not in the realm of healthy or normal or you know optimal or any of those kinds of things and I said to whoever it was that they sent in to talk to me about this assessment I was like look I'm sleep deprived I'm constantly feeling like I should either be with my one-year-old when I'm with the twins, or if I'm with Roman, I feel like I should, you know, be with the twins. And it's scary. Like when you have conversations about, you know, health things that are going on with your kids, I cry. And I'm also dealing with postpartum hormones and hormone surges from pumping and all of these things. And it. I feel that my response is very appropriate. I don't feel that my response is um, out of the realm of, of appropriate. That doesn't mean it's easy, right? People will say things like, oh, you're doing so great. I don't know what that means, but I know that this is very hard and 
it's okay for it to be hard, that doesn't mean that something is wrong. It's okay for me to be stressed or scared or overwhelmed or anxious. And that doesn't mean that something is wrong that needs to be fixed. It's just appropriate for the situation I'm in. And I don't want to just do nothing. My first response to, hey, I realize that I'm at high risk for something like postpartum depression in addition to, does this feel appropriate and am I able to care for myself and am I able to care for Roman and am I able to show up you know, for my responsibilities and all those things, is to know that there's a lot that I can do that's within my control. Like before I go down the road of like, ugh, I might need some support, am I eating as well as possible? I've done episodes on this. Sugar is the ultimate bad mood food. It is dramatically correlated to anxiety and depression. So if I feel like I'm veering down that path to postpartum depression, the first thing that I got to be honest with is, is like, is sugar gone? You know, is sugar absolutely gone? And then there are some other dietary things. Am I eating enough fat? Am I supplementing for my microbiome because there's an undeniable link between your microbiome and anxiety and depression. So I was on a lot of antibiotics before the girls were born and after they were born. So I have a lot of rebuilding to do. Am I doing that? And then the other thing, and it's where mood and kids mood come in and why I say that mood saved my life after Dagny died. There are supplements that help with our stress response. Does that mean that we never need help beyond that or support or intervention beyond that? Absolutely not. And everybody's different. So the way I approach it might not be the way you approach it. And of course not, right? That's fine. That's normal. It should be that way. We should think of things differently. But I want to explore how my body responds when those kinds of things are implemented and optimized before I take further steps and involve other things or other people. And so nutrition has been a big part of that. I wish I could say sleep has been a big part of that, but that's been a big struggle primarily because Roman hasn't been sleeping. Um, And then mood and kids' mood are adaptogens. They're all natural blends of ingredients that help your body adapt to stress. So what that means is if somebody's in a situation where say cortisol or adrenaline is lower than optimal, it can raise it up. And at the same time, the same exact blend, if cortisol is high or adrenaline is high or any other number of stress hormones are high, it can help to bring them down because it helps to adapt whatever that means for your body, which I love because day to day, my body's not the same. Day to day, my hormones aren't the same. So I love adaptogenic products, well, quality adaptogen products, because they work with a changing body and your body's always changing. Never mind, especially when you're in a postpartum period, for sure. But our bodies aren't the same. Even even outside of postpartum, whether you are menopausal or not yet into menopause, you still have hormonal cycles and fluctuations. So I love adaptogens because they're not the same thing to the body every single day. Sure, the ingredients are the same, but their function, their response, their they're intelligent. It's like a smart supplement, right? But it's not. <laughs> and what a smart supplement being like, you know, we have so much smart technology that sort of responds to things. 
adaptogens do that. So I love mood and kids' mood. Mood is the adult's version. Kids is uh, a totally different formulation, which is why I take it, because they're synergistic and complementary. It's not like the same product, but in a different delivery. They're, they're different. They're different formulas of adaptogens, but they work in a complementary fashion. If I'm being very honest, though, I take kids' mood because it's um, the adult's one's just a capsule that you swallow. Kids' mood is in this little like stick pack, and it's um, you take it like a pixie stick, so you don't mix it with water. You just like put the powder into your mouth. And I'll be honest that like 90% of the reason I take it is because I really like the taste of it, and so it feels like a treat. And I'll often do one in the afternoon and one in the evening. And I'm motivated for the one in the evening because I like the taste of it. So anyway, that's just, that's just the story there. Um, so I feel like I'm in a good place mentally and emotionally, but I just wanted to share that about all the other things that, you know, can, can be a factor and things to consider. I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. I'll also put the links to Mood and Kids Mood in the show description. One of the things I've been talking about a lot on social media, especially inside the Primal Potential Facebook group, if you're not in there, it's a totally free group. Uh, but that's where I have been posting these updates and intend to keep posting them just because that's an easier format for this sort of thing, is that now that I am five weeks postpartum, I'm kind of moving more into a fat loss mode. And I think I shared this last week. It's a little different because I'm still nursing pump well I'm not nursing I'm pumping and I'm pumping a lot and I can't have my supply drop and I watch that very very closely but you can still burn fat and keep your milk supply up so that is that is what I'm shifting into and uh, if you want to hear those updates and kind of what it looks like for me while in a very chaotic time of life make sure you're in the primal potential Facebook group I'm gonna make myself a note right now actually um, to put that link in the show description, Facebook group link. You can tell that I don't edit these shows because this is real time. One of the things that I talked about when I started sharing this this week is that a lot of times I've set myself up for failure with fat loss because I approach it from a restrictive perspective and not just the obvious sense of like, eat less. But my approach many times before has been taking things away, taking food groups away, uh, taking indulgences away, taking quantities of foods away, like just less, 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 less. And right now, what I'm finding to be much more successful is a perspective of adding. So Last week, I was really thinking in terms of not like I need to eat less to lose weight, not at all, but what can I do to make my choices today more nourishing? That was it. That's just where I started. What can I do to make these choices more nourishing? Sometimes it was like, you know what? I'm going to take my supplements before we eat this pizza. Cool. Great. That's a win. That's a win. That is a win. I'm done with the days of just acting like a desperate teenager when it comes to fat loss. I'm just done. I'm done with the drama. I don't have time for it. Other times, how can I make this more nourishing was uh, making a different food choice altogether or 
adding two different types of protein onto my salad or, you know, there's, there's a number of different things. This past week, I've been looking at intentionally eating more protein. So not less ice cream, right? Uh, not fewer carbs, more protein. And I was sharing that one of the one of the things I think about is how do I make that convenient? You know, I told you guys at the top of the show that right now we're back in our regular house. And when we came back, our freaking fridge was dead. Freezer's still good, which is great because I'm freezing my milk. But the fridge was freaking dead. So we're waiting on a part and it's just so annoying because that means more day-to-day food choices instead of being able to stock the fridge with all these healthy options or do a couple hours of meal prep. Like, eh, no, that's not really an option right now. One of the things that I've been doing um, is Greek yogurt, full fat, add a scoop of protein powder, and then even sometimes I'll take a a power crunch protein bar and I'll take a a quarter or a third of it and crumble it up and mix it in there. Um, and I, and I just keep the, the yogurt in a cooler because why not? That's fine. It's no big deal. There are other things we have to keep in the cooler for right now, like Roman's goat's milk that he drinks and things like that. But that has been an easy one. Protein shakes. I've been keeping it so simple. Water, my favorite protein powder, a tablespoon of nut butter and I shake it up. Is it my normal, more elaborate made in a blender protein shake? No, it's not. But it's more convenient for me. And well, I don't have a fridge. It works. But the other night we, um, we went out for Mexican food. Because again, no fridge. That's just, that's just the way it goes right now. And totally did chips, salsa, queso, those sorts of things but I was looking at how can I add protein, right? So I made sure that what I ordered entree-wise was protein-rich. When I got home, I had a protein shake. Before I went to bed, I had a handful of almonds. That's the focus, more protein. And I'm really pulling back the curtain on what this looks like for me in terms of fat loss for a couple of reasons. One, it's real time, it's real life. But also, I'm doing it in a season that is super chaotic, right? I have newborn twins in the NICU. I'm either living in a different place, walking back and forth to the hospital all day long, or right now I'm spending five or six hours a day in the car and every, you know, hours a day in the hospital and every spare second that I'm not in one of those two places with a one-year-old and trying to work after he goes to bed. It's crazy. And I can still experience fat loss in the season. You know, I did a post, uh, oh God, Tuesday about how everything that I can think of as an excuse is also actually a reason. In fact, it's not also a reason. It is a reason. It's not an excuse. So I'm really tired. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. It's a reason why I need to eat well. It's a reason why nutrition matters and to not blow off the day and say, I'll start tomorrow. Having two kids in the NICU is not an excuse. It's a reason. All of those things are reasons. So I did a whole post on that. You can check out if you haven't been uh, following my social media. Okay, let's get to your questions. The first one, there's a good question today about binging uh, that I really want to dive into 
and uh, kind of like restriction mentality. But before we get to that, somebody asked, how do you control snacking? And I don't think they were asking about me just in general, like how do I control snacking? So I think you have to look at, are you eating because you're bored or are you eating because you're hungry, right? Because the approach is pretty different. If you're eating because you're hungry, then I would be looking to switch up your meals so that they satisfy you more completely and for longer. What satisfies me most are non-starchy veggies So volume, you know, if I make a salad, it's not like one of those dinky side salads that you get as a as a replacement for fries at a restaurant. It's like a big, hearty salad Um, and protein and fat. Carbs don't satisfy me. I could eat crackers or pasta or chips or things like that, you know, indefinitely. Um, So if you're eating because you're hungry, Check out episodes that I've done on satiety and hunger, but switch up your meals. If you're eating because you're bored, a few things here. I saw this um, I saw this post the other day. I don't remember who shared it, but or who who originated it, but it said something like the antidote to boredom is building. Build a business, build a relationship, build a hobby, build your fitness, right? But that the antidote to boredom is building. So it made me think of, you might have seen this cliche thing before, but it's something along the lines of do more what makes you forget about your phone. And I would say do more of what makes you forget about scrounging through your pantry or opening up your fridge. A lot of times people are just bored because what do they do when they get home from work? They sit on the couch and they watch Netflix or they scroll Facebook and you're bored. And so you go eat. Do more of what you what makes you forget that engrosses you in something else. Take a class, learn to dance, make new friends, join a gym. Do more of what makes you forget to go prowling for a snack if it is, in fact, a boredom thing. Another thing to think about is what you keep around you. So there are a million things I would love to snack on. I'd love to snack on Oreos and M&Ms and uh, Cheez-Its, the ones that are burnt. You know, they actually started making a box of ones that are more burnt. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I'd love to snack on those things. So I don't buy them. They're not in my house. And... You know, I'm in a different season now than I was when I've previously recorded episodes on snacking, but there are those episodes. I have a one-year-old who snacks. I buy things for him that don't appeal to me. I don't buy him little mini Oreos or Cheez-Its or things that I'd be like, ooh, I want some of that. I buy him stuff that I have absolutely no desire to eat. There are these like cauliflower puffs. He's super into them. No, mm -mm. they just don't. They don't do it for me. Or I give him fresh fruit. And I'm just not a big fruit snacker. Now, if it was a Honeycrisp apple, I'm into it all day long. But at the same time, I'm cool if I want to eat Honeycrisp apples all day long. Like that's not going to be the reason I'm overweight, you know. So there's that piece. And then the last thing I'll say, and I do have a bunch of episodes on snacking that you can check out, but try to avoid multitasking when you're eating. So that means if you are eating, don't be watching TV. Don't be scrolling on your phone. Sit and focus on the food and really enjoy it because 
a lot of snacking is mindless. So work on that. I find that if I, let's say I'm watching a show at night, and I've shared this before. Let's say I'm watching a show and I think, oh, I'd really love some popcorn. Do I want to go and sit in the kitchen or sit in the dining room and turn off my show and have the popcorn? No, it's not worth it. I just wanted something else to do to um, enjoy the show, to like add to that experience. But if I'm not multitasking, does it still appeal to me? Do I want to turn off the show and go sit in the room and, and focus on a bowl of popcorn? No, I don't. So that is a big one for me. Okay. The, uh, the next question says, I'm 64. Is it too late to be fit and feel good? This question blows my mind. Like this question totally blows my mind. The cool thing is that we live in a time where we have examples on the internet of people doing crazy things. I saw one the other day. It was a woman in her 90s who walks up to like gymnastics parallel bars and does a whole routine on the parallel bars in her 90s. And I've seen videos of men in their 80s and their 90s and in into past 100 who are competing in races for world records of running, running at 80 and 90 and 100. Not to mention the examples we see of people who start businesses that become empires and they didn't get started until they were 60 or 70. So it's insane to think that 64 is too late to be fit and feel good. Let me ask you this. What do you think? Let's compare. You're 64 and you say, oh, it's too late. So you keep eating crappy and not prioritizing your fitness and being couch potato. Or you're 64 and you start eating well and moving and really investing in your body and your health. Do you think there's no difference? Here's the other thing. You find out. You're 64. Give me 10 years of investing in your health and taking it seriously and let me know. Let me know, because you can always go back if you're like, nah, it wasn't worth it. Great. In a handful of years, you can go back to being a couch potato and eating whatever you want. This next question is one about chasing cupcakes. It says, chapter 7, page 166 says, instead of thinking you either eat perfectly or you binge, what's in the middle? That's the quote from the book. What's in the middle? And then this person says, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm not sure what the middle is. Is the middle what I do or what I don't do? Is the middle what I say or what I don't say? Is the middle what I think or don't think? Thank you in advance. Let me tell you what the, I think the easiest way for me to answer this question is to give you some examples of what the middle is. I think that's the best way because otherwise we'll just be like talking in confusing circles. So let's say that I'm considering a binge. And in my head, the only options are, yes, I binge, or no, I don't binge. The middle is, I'm going to pick one indulgence, and I'm going to enjoy it fully instead of a full-on binge, which could be 
you know, the Cheez-Its and the ice cream and the cupcakes and the pizza and let's have a margarita and, you know, and, 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 and. If I think of, this is not just a food thing, right? If I think, man, I said I was going to do all this work tonight, but I'm really not in the mood. So do I work or do I not work? There's a million options in the middle. Instead of doing all the things you plan to do, you can do one of the things. Or instead of working for three hours, you could work for 30 minutes. There's, there's a huge span. So let's use the example of my Mexican food the other night. We were going out for Mexican food. Mexican's my favorite. It's not either I go whole hog and enjoy the you know totality of an experience at a Mexican restaurant and I have the chips and the salsa and the queso and the spicy margarita and the chimichanga and blah, 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 blah. Or I get a salad and a water. There's a middle. Like for me the other day, it was I had a water, I had chips and guac, and I had a salad. So there was a lot that I didn't do. There's so many things that the middle represents and it could be in how you, you think about things. For example, two kids in the NICU. It's not either, I think it's stressful, I think it's catastrophic, I think it's unfair, and I'm a disaster, or I'm grateful and appreciative. <laughs> it's both. It's both, right? I'm insanely grateful and appreciative, and I'm also really tolerant of the moments where it's awful and it's unfair and it's scary and I'm a mess. I talk about this a ton inside the consistency course because I was actually just reading Roman a book earlier this evening. Um, It's called, I brought it up here with me actually, it's called uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackey or... McKessie, maybe? Anyway, one of the things that the page of the book says is, um, is there a school for unlearning? And this is one of those things, thinking in terms of this and that, black or white, yes or no, do or don't, all in or all out. It's something we have to unlearn, and that takes time, and that's something that we work on a lot inside the consistency course. Um, last question, and then I'm going to announce the winner of your choice of mood or kids mood. The last one says, is it ever okay to just be and not worry so much that you're not sticking to the rules always? It's an interesting one. And I think it depends on who you ask, because for me, I don't want to stick to the rules always. (laughs) In fact, one of my rules is to not have rigid rules, you know? And as far as worry, I just don't find that worry is a really great use of time. Now, sometimes we worry. I worry about my kids. You know, I'm, I'm away from the twins tonight as they're in the NICU. And I'm obviously not in the NICU overnight. And thoughts come up into my mind that I would consider worry. And oftentimes I turn them into prayer. And sometimes I redirect my attention altogether. You know, sometimes when a worry arises, I consider it a prompting to pray. Other times, 
I use it as an opportunity to redirect my attention to maybe gratitude or to something else altogether completely different. Because we all have a finite amount of energy and attention, right? And worrying about something is just not productive in creating a solution. But I think it it comes down to your notion of rules here. Like, is your intention to always stick to the rules? Because mine's not (laughs) in any, in any regard. Uh, For example, I would love to say that I speak with kindness and patience to my husband every single time. But I don't. And I don't have the expectation that I'm going to go through the rest of my life and never lose my temper or raise my voice. I absolutely expect that those things are going to happen. And I want to get back to kindness as quickly as possible. And I want to get back to humility as quickly as possible. And I want to get to um, apology and forgiveness and reconnection as quickly as possible. But I have no expectation that, like, it's not a problem if I lose my temper. That's a human thing. It's just something that I'm aware of. And similarly, even right now as I go into a fat loss phase, I have no expectation that I'm not going to have ice cream or a margarita or whatever else it is. I have the expectation that I'm going to be intentional and deliberate and that there are times I'm going to be not intentional and not deliberate. And that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's about responding well to those things. But I think if you have the expectation that you are never going to do X, Y, Z, it's all about how you respond to it, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with a mindset of abstinence forever and this is like a commitment for life. But also, you can make that commitment without worry and without drama and without uh, like berating yourself if things go wrong. It's just not that serious. It's just not that serious. Things that are serious in life are not these things, these rules, you know? It's just not that serious. Okie dokie. Let's announce the winner. Keep the questions coming. You guys ask great questions, and I feel like we just get to kind of hang out on these Saturday shows. Okay, the winner of your choice of mood or kids' mood. Again, the adult one is a capsule. Adaptogen blend, all natural. The kids one is the little stick pack, 30 stick packs. Um, and you don't mix it with water. You take it like a pixie stick. It's delicious. I'm going to go have one right now, actually. I'm looking forward to it. Burke Eins. <laughs> That's the winner. <laughs> you probably are listening like, huh? The winner is B U R K. E-I-N-S, if that is the name under which you left a review for the show, thank you. And email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Tell me you were the winner for 1020 and let me know if you want mood or kids mood and include your mailing address no matter where you live in the world because otherwise I can't mail it to you if you don't share that information. So you can win next Saturday. All you got to do is leave a review of this podcast on whatever app you listen. Even if you've left one before, you can leave another one because maybe you left a review for the show in general. You can leave a review for a specific episode or you can just be like, yay, Elizabeth has her mic back. All right, everybody have an amazing day. I will chat with you very soon. Take care. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.